Well, hey, church, it is so good to be with you. And before I get into the word today, I would love to just pray over our time together. Holy Spirit, I just thank you that you invade our every space, that you are here with me right now and you are in every room and home and space and place that people are hearing your word. I pray that you would lead every moment, that you would sow seed on our hearts that would come to fruition, that we would work on the soil of our hearts and that God, your kingdom would come and your will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We are desperate. We are desperate to see your gospel move in and through our lives and be good news to all of those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I um, wanna kind of share a few things with you that God has really just been speaking to me. And I do believe that it is a word for our church, but I believe it's a word for the nations too, if we would have ears to hear and eyes to see. If you're taking notes in your home or you're taking them there on the monitor and you're gonna email them to yourself later, this message is simply called The Kingdom of Heaven is Like. The Kingdom of Heaven is Like. And we're gonna talk a little bit about what the Kingdom of Heaven is like. Obviously, that's the title. So, uh, <laughs> But the truth is, is in March, on the very last flight that I took before um, coronavirus and just everything that's been going on in the world where we were at home and not flying and not going anywhere, I felt very clearly before I boarded the plane that the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to be in the Gospels. I need you to read the Gospels. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and just go through them, Andy, and, and follow Jesus. And I was like, okay. So I felt very clearly that that was what I was supposed to do, that I was supposed to, to really adhere to and dive into and look at Jesus and His ways. I'm passionate about Jesus' way, truth, and life. It's one of the things that I talk about all of the time. But I didn't know how much I needed to be discipled by Jesus and the Gospels and His ways with His disciples in the season that we have walked through as a people on planet Earth, for that matter. I mean, I don't know about you, but I want to see the kingdom of heaven come. I want to see His will be done here on Earth as it is in heaven. I am desperate to be discipled by Jesus and walk in His ways, not just read them, but live them. And it got me thinking, one of the questions I want you to ask yourselves, kind of before we dive into this together, and I think it's really important that we ask this to ourselves often, is we've got to ask ourselves, what is discipling me? What is discipling me? Because something is. If you're not intentional about being discipled by Jesus or in community with other people, other things will disciple you. You may be going, what is that? Well, think about it. Is social media discipling you and other people's thoughts and opinions? Are we looking to that more than we are to the Word of God or, um, you know, godly discourse and community? What about the news? Because um, all of these things are overwhelming. I'm not saying don't look at social media. I'm not saying don't look at the news, but we've got to ask ourselves, is that discipling me more than Jesus is? Are others' opinions discipling me more than Jesus is? And the reason why I can throw those out there is because I know that those things, if I don't think about it, I slide into being discipled by all three of those things on a regular basis. That's why I have got to be in the Word of God and in godly community and conversation and discipleship together. So, so is the Word of God discipling us? Are we allowing the Word of God to read us? Not just us read it, 
Is it reading us and our heart and where we're really at? And is it teaching us and instructing us? Is it giving us discernment? Is godly community, are we in godly community? Even though we may be apart, depending on where you live in the world and what the restrictions are or aren't and what stage you're at, I don't know if you're able to gather yet or not. The truth is we've got to ask, are we still in community, on the phone, Zooming, gathering if we can? Is that discipling us. I was chatting with a friend, actually, who um, pastors a church in Minneapolis. And, you know, I I don't know about you, but in the season that we have been in over the last few months, um, I'm just checking in on a lot of people, and I'm grateful for the people that are checking in on me, too. And I was checking in on my friend who pastors in Minneapolis, and I was going, how are you guys doing as you're leading through crisis and chaos and all of the seasons that we're in as a church? And she said many things to me, and she's doing so well and so healthy and loving people well. Her name's Carol. Carolyn Haas, her and her husband Peter are phenomenal and have just been great leaders to us too. But she said these words, and I wanted to share them with you because I believe it's a prophetic word if we have ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to understand. She said, this is a shaking season, but also an awakening season. Do you hear that? It's a shaking and awakening. Can I get an amen to that? Because some of you are going, yes, feels like everything is shaking, but we're also awakening. Um, She said, God is answering many of our prayers for awakening. It's just not how we have imagined. It's also a pruning season. Anybody else, it feels like we're being shaken, we're waking up, things are being cut off and cut back from our lives. But you know what that means? It means that the gospel is moving in and through God's people. That if we can wake up to what He is doing, we will see a ripple effect of His goodness go around the planet if we can rise up, if we have ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to understand. You know, Jesus said over and over and over again, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Why do you think he had to say that? Because there was people that had ears, but were not hearing. It says they were ever hearing, but never understanding. And God, I pray that if we are in a stage of ever hearing, but not understanding, that we would repent of that and go, God, open our ears to what you're trying to say. And I wanna ask you a few more questions. Let these things just check your heart, the soil of your heart. Are we walking in discernment or in the flesh? Are we walking in obedience or the fear of man? Are we walking in confusion or peace? Are we walking in deception or clarity? Are we walking in the pride to be right or in humility to learn? My goodness, you guys, this is like being a disciple. This is a lot of work. Are we walking in love? Are we walking in forgiveness? Are we walking in truth? Are we following Jesus in his way, truth, and life? Or are we following in our own way, our own truth, and our own life? We constantly have to ask ourselves these questions. You know, I actually believe, as I've been, like I said, reading the Gospels through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, God is like so speaking to me. And I I think one of the scriptures that we like to avoid um, are ones like Matthew 24, 3 through 14, who tell us about the signs of the end of the age. (laughs) 
that we are actually, I believe, in the middle of birthing pains. And no, we don't know God's timeline. Um, we have no idea when Christ will return for his bride. But you better believe that we as the bride need to be preparing the bride, bringing the gospel, making her beautiful, coming together. Now listen to what Jesus said. These are his words. And his disciples are going, hey, when's this all gonna turn around? And it makes me wonder when they wanted to see what the kingdom of heaven was like. They were probably going, hey, Jesus, when is this age going to be over? And when are you just going to rule and reign on a throne and fix everything? And Jesus, oh, man, he's talking about something deeply spiritual here. So let's listen. Let's have ears to hear, okay? Jesus said in Matthew 24, 3 through 14, now this is about the birthing pains um, before the end of the age. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? And Jesus answered, listen to this. This is important. This is for us today. Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Do you feel the shalom like the peace of heaven when he says that? Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All of these things are the beginnings of the birth pains. Oh, and no one wants to read this next line, but I'm going to read it. You will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and betray each other. Can we just stop there? Because some of you are like, oh my gosh, these, these are all things that are actually happening. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. I'm gonna, this is something I'll actually wanna say because it, it's very interesting that I've noticed that it's almost like we have got cultish leaders that are deceiving many people, even on social media. You guys, we have to be aware that we, we have to be aware, we have to be in community, we have to be asking questions to go, is this Christ-like? Am I allowing this to disciple me and lead me? Have I allowed this person to become a leader in my life? When, God, is, is this you? We've gotta use discernment. We've gotta cry out for discernment in the times that we're living in so we don't operate in confusion. So false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase, hear this, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one, listen, 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 the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And the gospel, hear this, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Do you hear that? The gospel has to go to every single person, to everyone. We have to tell the truth of the love of Jesus, how he came to redeem us, to restore us, to rescue us, to reconcile us to him. You guys, we need to be reconciled to God and we need to be reconciled to one another. This is the gospel. This is good news. So how do we stand firm in the middle of all this chaos and pain and fear that we are walking through? How do we see a change? How do we continue to see the kingdom of heaven come? I'll say this to you. It's one seed, one day, one breath, one conversation, one moment at a time. I get frustrated because I would just like it to appear. 
I want everything to be fixed. And I think that's where I get frustrated and that's where I want to give up. I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. This is too complicated. It's too hard. Um, I don't want to stand firm till the end. I just want everyone else to fix it. Jesus, why don't you appear? Like, you know, this is where I can get to. But what we have to understand is the kingdom of heaven looks so much different than we thought it would or does. It comes differently than we think it would because it's one seed, one moment, one conversation at a time and it feels like a slow burn and it's so frustrating because I just want to flip a switch. But Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like time and time again. To drive the point home that what we think the kingdom of heaven looks like is vastly different than what it actually looks like. And often, like I just said, it comes slower than we like. Anybody else like so impatient? I'm like, <laughs> fix it, Jesus. Uh, you know, everyone hashtags that. Not everyone, that was an exaggeration. But the kingdom of heaven is like, okay. I got stuck in Matthew 13. I got stuck in a lot of places as I read the gospels. But this was encouraging to me actually, as I read Matthew 13 and I saw all of these different parables where Jesus was talking about what the kingdom of heaven was like. It helped me to understand the slow burn and the longevity of what we are all in together, that we need to take this one day at a time and not get overwhelmed. There will be days that are from hell and there will be glorious days. And we need to stick together so that we can stand firm together. So to see the kingdom of heaven come, there are three things that I wanna share with you out of Matthew 13, which I would recommend you read on your own time um, to see what the kingdom of heaven is like. But there are three things that I want you to be mindful of. And number one is this, I want you to be mindful of your heart. Be mindful of your heart. The state of your heart is imperative. You know, we can't change the world if we don't change our heart. We can't change a life if we can't change our own heart because we're not changed. And so if we don't watch the state of our heart, then I don't know how effective we can actually be. In the very beginning of uh, Matthew 13, we see the parable of the sower. Now, the first line in this, I'm not gonna go through the whole thing with you because it would take too long. Um, the whole thing starts out with Jesus telling a story and he says, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And then Jesus breaks down four types of soil that the farmer sows his seed on. Now there, it's good seed. There's nothing wrong with the seed, but the state of the soil is what dictates what will happen with the seed. So here's what we have to understand. The state of our heart actually dictates what will happen with the seed that God sows on our lives. When we read the word of God, how's the soil of our heart? When we hear a message, how's the soil of our heart? When we're in a difficult conversation that is even just filled with God and maybe holy confrontation, what is the soil of our heart like? Now let's just do a quick soil check of our heart because the state of our heart, like I said, dictates what will happen with the seed. Will it flourish or will it die? And I want to see um, things flourish in my heart because when my heart changes, we can change other people's lives because our hearts are in a tender place. We've got to get good as a people of God at having a thick skin and a tender heart. Keep your heart tender at all costs. It will save your life. And let me be honest with you. After pastoring for 10 years in the city, the key to my longevity has been keeping my heart tender because it can so easily grow bitter and cold and angry from betrayal and pain and hurt and difficulties. But as I keep my heart soft before the Lord, I can continue to stand. So let's do a quick soil check, okay? So he talks about the path. 
He talks about the path, which is eaten by birds. Now, what does this mean? I'm going to just give you the headline, and then when Jesus explains the parable in Matthew 13, verse 19, the path talks about when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and doesn't understand it. The evil one comes and snatches away that which was was sown in their, their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. So when we lack understanding about something, it doesn't mean that we have to go, well, I don't get it. So you walk away. No, actually, Proverbs is full of us, um, full of words telling us to seek out God's wisdom, his understanding, which means if you don't understand something in the soil of your heart, that place is maybe a little bit dry or it feels like the path. It's like, God, I have no understanding of this. Can you give me understanding? That can shift the soil of our hearts. And, And we've got to ask God for understanding and things that we just don't get. The rocky places, shallow soil, um, and these are where the plants are scorched by the sun. So even if it tries to come up, it's really difficult. The rocky places. Seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and once re- at once and receives it with joy. So you're like, I love this word. I love this message. I'm so excited. You know, whether that was Jimmy's message or Nicole's message or when Paul preached or the tag teams and you're just like, oh my gosh, this word is so good. You receive it with joy, but since they have no root, It only lasts a short time. And when trouble, hello, there's trouble everywhere, or persecution, hello, that's everywhere too. When those things come because of the word. See, do you hear that? When the word is sown in your heart, the enemy is like, "Mm, they're trying to receive the word of God. I think I'm gonna come mess with them. No, you don't get to. We get to take care of the state of our heart. But when, when we allow trouble and persecution to take the word of God from us, then we're in trouble. That's when the rocky places appear in our heart. What about seed among thorns? When seed is sown among thorns, when our hearts are thorny, um, what happens is the seed, if God is trying to grow, but it gets choked out by the thorns. The seed falling among the, thorn, among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke out the word, making it unfruitful. Worry and deceit. The deceitfulness of wealth choke out the word of God. So we've got to watch that worry is not taking the word of God from us and that deceitfulness of wealth or having things is not taking the word of God from us. But good soil, what is good soil? It's it's when we are asking for forgiveness, when we're walking in forgiveness, when we are forgiving others, when we are uprooting bitterness and offense from our hearts, the soil of our heart remains tender and the seed falls on good soil. And that refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop of 160 or 30 times what was sown. So we have got to be mindful of our heart because this is the one thing, if this changes, we can change so many other things. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We overflow from our heart. We're responsible for our hearts. Hear this. And the enemy wants us to think in short term, like, I don't want to deal with this now, or I'm angry now, or I don't want to forgive, or I don't want to have this conversation, or this is too hard. Short term thinking. But we are in a long game. And we have got to be, number two, we've got to be mindful of the long game. We've got to be mindful of the long game because it's in difficult seasons and persecution or pain or whatever that is, whatever season you find yourself in personally, those are the seasons where I don't know about you, but I like, I like literally hand in my resignation to my husband so often. I'm like, I'm done. And he just smiles and is like, I love you. Let's talk. (laughs) And you guys have heard me say that before. It's not a joke. He is a steady, loving man and he brings safety. And I am so grateful for him. 
and um, he helps me to be mindful of the long game. So this is the parable of the weeds in Matthew 13. He goes on, so he talks about the heart, then he goes on to the parable of the weeds and says this in Matthew 13, 24 through 26 and verse 30. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed, again, good seed, in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, the enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. And when the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. So annoying. Let both grow together till harvest. This is interesting. Wouldn't you think, like, aren't you supposed to go wheat? Like, we, sh we should pull the weeds out. And Jesus says, no, 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 listen to this. Let both grow together until harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned and gather the wheat and bring them into my barn. So get this, I was sitting with my husband going, why do you think Jesus wasn't like, pull the weeds, take care of that, it looks ugly, it's intertwining with the harvest, it's intertwining. And my husband was, was saying this to me, and I thought this, he goes, Jesus' priority, listen to this, Jesus' priority is the harvest. So he will allow even the weeds to grow if pulling them out would damage the harvest. That's mind-blowing. This shows you that the heart of God is for the harvest to grow. And guess what, you guys? This also explains a lot to us that in this life, there will be trouble. There will be things that we can't explain that are frustrating because weeds are growing up next to the harvest, good and evil, things that are right next to us, which helps, um, why, why does evil prosper? Well, we can see that evil prospers, but at the end of the age, we know the story. We know how this goes. When in actual fact, Jesus' eye is on the harvest, not on the weeds. He's like, I'll deal with the weeds later. He will deal with the weeds at the end of the age. And these are the times when we say, but Jesus, why aren't there consequences for the weeds that are walking alongside of us? I'm so frustrated. Why can't you bring justice? Why can't you change that? Why can't you pull them out? Does anybody else like get angry when there is injustice and you're going, I don't understand what is going on? Well, here's the deal. Jesus is saying, if you only knew, guys, I am preserving the harvest. This isn't, we have to, rem have to remember this. It's so frustrating. This isn't a fight against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities. Therefore, we cannot give up. Here's what we have to remember. God is a just God, and he will have his justice. That is who he is. So even when we are frustrated, do not be dismayed. Continue to stand, continue to grow. Nobody cares about the harvest more than he does. And as a good friend said to me, she said, just keep swimming. You know Dory in anybody? No, just keep swimming. Just Because those are the days where I'm like, I don't wanna just keep swimming. I am angry at the injustice. I am angry about inequality. I am angry. And you know what? We've gotta keep doing our part and keep going and keep living. Jesus is like, I see, I see. Don't you worry, keep moving forward. So we've gotta be mindful of our hearts. We've gotta be mindful of the long game. And we've also gotta be mindful of the little things. Now, um, I didn't have these up here because we weren't sure what you would think that they were. But right here, I have got seeds. Now, I tried to have Zeke get me mustard seeds, but they didn't have any at Ace Hardware. So we have got, I don't remember what seed. I'm a great gardener. This is yeast. So um, let's pretend these are mustard seeds and yeast for illustration's sake when I am reading this next parable so we can get an understanding and be mindful of the little things that maybe seem like they're not a big deal. Maybe you feel like I'm not making a difference. You know, what good is this conversation? What good is solidarity? What good is voting? What good is praying? What good is coming together? What good is worshiping? Well, let's read the word of God and find out. 
The parable of the mustard seed and the yeast. Matthew 13, starting in verse 31, he told them another parable. He's like, I'm trying to get the point across. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, pretend, <laughs> which a man took and planted in the field. Though it is the smallest of seeds, it's small. When it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds can come and perch in its branches. And he told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in 60 pounds, 60 pounds, tiny bit of yeast, 60 pounds of flour until it worked through the whole dough. Now let me just break this down quickly for you. The smallest seed becomes a tree, which means that good work takes time. Again, I am frustrated that good work takes time. I am frustrated that it feels like one day at a time, this is the only difference, you can't even see it. This is the difference I made today, but who knows what that seed will become. Who knows what that conversation will do? Who knows what that one act of love will do in somebody's life? We have got to keep going because we have no idea. We've got to be mindful of the little things. Jesus does great things from small things. Who would have thought 12 disciples would have turned the world upside down and we are still reading about their lives thousands of years later. Jesus was showing us a principle. Three years of ministry, guys, that's all he did, three years. Three years of ministry, and he turned the world upside down through his life, his death, and his resurrection. Great things can happen from small things. And what about the yeast? Oh man, the yeast looks like nothing, but it permeates the whole dough. I don't know if you were able to listen to Jimmy Rollins when he was with us and we were talking about racism and equality and compassion and all of these things that are happening and have been happening for thousands of years, hundreds of years in our nation, here in America, and thinking about how, how do we see change? How do we keep changing things? And I just wanna quote him again, because this was so powerful. He said, the destination is long. Listen, if you have ears to hear, don't mistake a layover, a moment in time for the final destination. It's easy to get comfortable in the layover. You guys, we are not called to be comfortable, but uncomfortable in everything that we do. We can't get comfortable in just conversation. True compassion requires action. Anything short of equality is not progress. It's just a layover. Yeast in the dough, seeds in the ground. How do we keep doing this? How do we keep going? You know, yeast looks like it's blending in, but the kingdom of heaven will rise. And this is what we have to understand. Yeast looks like nothing. You may feel like what you're doing is nothing, but will you please keep standing so we can stand together? Will you please keep putting yeast in the dough? Because the kingdom of heaven will rise and will be seen. There will be equality and justice and love and connection and Jesus will prevail as we keep doing what we are called to do one day at a time. The kingdom of heaven is like, oh my gosh, it looks so different. It looks so different than we think it does. One day at a time, you guys, one foot in front of the other, one conversation for change at a time, one act of kindness, one act of solidarity, one whatever it is that the Holy Spirit is asking you to do. Ashley Eland, um, follow her on social media. She is a wealth of knowledge and humility and power. And she said this, say what you need to say on social media, then put your phone down and pick up your life. Not many will see you learning, confessing, repenting, uprooting, 
retooling, forgiving, inviting, empowering, but we will see its fruit. The hidden work is the heart work, is the hard work. The kingdom of heaven is like. Be mindful of your heart, be mindful of the long game, and be mindful of the little things, and live wide awake. I've been having many dreams about banquets and being invited to parties. And in some of the dreams, I have excuses why I can't come to the banquet, why I can't come to the party. And in other dreams, I'm inviting people to a banquet and they're having ridiculous excuses and things where my heart breaks. I'm like, why is this your excuse? And you know, when it comes to the banquet, we are all being invited to the banquet of the king together, together. And he is saying, come and feast with me. Come together with me. Be wide awake because we don't know when the bridegroom will return. We have no idea. So be prepared. Luke 12, 35 through 40, as I begin to bring this to a close, we need to be prepared for action at a moment's notice. Be like the servants who anticipate their master's return from a wedding celebration. They are ready to unlock and open the door for him at a moment's notice. What great joy, hear this, what great joy is ahead for the awakened ones who are waiting for the master's return. He himself will become their servant and wait on them at his table as he passes by. He may appear at midnight or even later. But what great joy, hear it again, for the awakened ones whenever he comes. Of course, if they knew ahead of time the hour of the master's appearing, they would have been alert, just as they would be ready if they knew ahead of time there was a thief that was coming to break into their house. So keep alert and be ready at all times, for I can promise you that the Son of Man will surprise you and appear when you don't expect him. Allow this shakening and awakening and pruning season to bring the kingdom of heaven and don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. You know, be mindful of your heart, the long game and the little things. I wanna pray for you. I wanna pray for those of you who are not following Jesus, who wanna be awakened to his love, to his goodness, to who he is. And, and I want you to hear this. I have to read just one more scripture to you before I pray for you. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 11. Hear me, church, don't lose heart, keep standing. It says this, we are like common jar clays, um, clay jars that carry this glorious treasure within, Jesus, the Holy Spirit within, so that we, uh, so that the extraordinary overflow of power will be seen as God's and not ours. Isn't that what we want people to see? Not us the power of God and His goodness. Though we experience every kind of pressure, we are not crushed. At times, we don't know what to do, but quitting, it's not an option. We are persecuted by others, but God has not forsaken us. We may be knocked down, but not out. We continually share in the death of Jesus in our bodies so that His resurrection life, the life of Jesus, will be revealed through our humanity. We consider living to mean that we are constantly being handed over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus will be revealed through our humanity. So for those of you who you want to give your life to Jesus, you want his life to be revealed through your humanity. You want to see the kingdom of heaven come in your body, in your life. Well, today, 
All you have to do is go, I am making a choice to turn from my way, my truth, and my life to die today and be resurrected in the life of Jesus so that I may die with him to be resurrected in his life so that he can be revealed through my life. The gospel is good news. And so I wanna say to you, if you wanna give your life to Jesus right where you are, if you're like, I am done living my way, I wanna follow Jesus, I wanna stand firm, I I wanna be awakened, I would love for you to let us know. There is a button where you can say, I'm making a decision to follow Jesus, and I'm gonna pray for you right now, right where you are. And today, as you pray this prayer, and as I pray over you, your life is going into the grave, and you are being born again in a new life with God. Jesus. So if you want to give your life to him, you're done with the old way. You want to follow in his way. Let me pray for you. Just repeat after me in your home, with your friends, if you're alone or with your family. Let them know, I'm making this decision. I'm following Jesus. Repeat after me. Say, Father God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. I believe that he lived a perfect, sinless life. He died in my place for my sin, and he rose again so that I could have eternal life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Transform me in your love. And may your kingdom come and your will be done here in my life and on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you, church. Let's keep standing and moving forward together.